I want to invite you to open up your Bibles this morning to Exodus 23. Exodus 23, we'll begin in verse 20. Exodus 23, 20. Like I mentioned a few moments ago, we finished our journey uh, through the Ten Commandments, and this morning we're going to move from looking at things very close up. It's almost like we've been looking at uh, within a forest, at the individual trees in the the forest, the details of the trees. And so now we're gonna we're gonna take a step back and look at the entire forest. Uh, we've been looking individually at each of the commandments, trying to understand what each of them tell us about what God requires of us and what He forbids. Uh, often in doing that, we've just taken a single verse, uh, and we've dug into it as we've looked across Scripture and under, understood uh, what each commandment means. Uh, and each commandment, as we've seen, has served as a mirror that reveals our heart, that shows, that reflects the sin that lies within our hearts. And I, I trust for everyone that's been here uh, week after week, you've uh, been convicted uh, of the sin in your own heart. But now that we've finished the Ten Commandments, I want to take a step back and uh, look at, in a, in a fuller way, not only our own hearts and, and the sin that lies there within, but but look at a fuller picture of what a relationship with the Lord looks like. What are the elements that make up that relationship? Ask the question, how can I live a life of wholeness that's based upon a relationship with the Lord? How can I deal with problems, the sin problems in my own life, the, the ones that keep coming back again and again and holding me back? Well, that's what we're going to look at this morning, uh, this you, know, you might want to call it a 10,000-foot view of establishing a relationship with the Lord. He establishing a relationship with His people. So we're going to be covering a lot more territory uh, this morning, not just a single verse, but uh, a, a few chapters. Just a brief reminder of where we are in the book of Exodus. God has brought His people out of Egypt uh, and he's delivered them at the hand and leadership of Moses. And he had brought them through the wilderness to Mount Sinai. And if you recall, that's, that's where we've been uh, for uh, a, a few months now, in Mount Sinai. This is the place where God desired to teach his people about himself and about their own hearts. And so uh, this morning... We're going to take what we've seen so, so far and uh, apply it in terms of this relationship with the Lord as we look at God's covenant relationship that He establishes with His people. Now, there, there are three different sections in which I'd like to, for us to consider this morning. The first has to do with God's law. And so the first part of that we've already looked at, that was the, the Ten Commandments, chapter 20 of Exodus and then, if you, if you were to flip back a little bit and flip uh, chapter 21, uh, then chapter 22, and, and the first half of chapter 23, uh, you'll notice there, there's a continuation of the giving of God's law, but it's a little bit different. It's not those, 
those large general principles that apply for all time to all people. Uh, but these are very particular. Uh, you can almost uh, pick any passage and begin to, to read, uh, and you'll th- see things that are very particular to this people. For, for six years you shall sow your land and gather in the yield, but the seventh year uh, you shall let it rest and lie fallow. That's written to a people who work with agriculture. Not all of us do that. It's not applicable to all times. Uh, and so this is part of God's law as well, but it is the, you might want to call it case law, uh, that is uh, very specific uh, or, or civil law that's very specific to a people and a time and a place to this people. Uh, so we're not going to read through all of that. Uh, you'll be happy to know, but all of that comes from those general principles. All of it comes from uh, the Ten Commandments. So we're going to consider that first as we think about obedience. The second part uh, is the rest of chapter 23. We are going to read that. This is God's promise to provide for and to bless His people. Uh, ever since Abraham, and God established His covenant with Abraham, there's been this promise there, promise of the land. The people are, are looking forward to the land. We just sang about it moments ago that Abraham didn't get to experience that land. But these people are looking forward to that, a land that has been prepared, prepared by God for His people. And so, as I'll read about it in just a moment, beginning in verse 20, we'll hear about an angel that the Lord sent ahead, uh, ahead of the people to prepare the way and to lead them and to protect them. And you'll also hear about His, his promise to remove our enemies, remove their enemies and God's enemies from the land. And I, I just want to remind us as, we, as I read this, think in your mind, this is, this is talking about this land, this uh, physical land, but at the same time, this is a, a, a message that's given for us. The land has everything to do with us as well. We'll talk about that. Now, the third part that we're going to cover is the first uh, half of Exodus 24. This is the ceremony in which God reaffirmed His covenant relationship with His people. Uh, We call it the Mosaic Covenant. Uh, In other words, the the people pledged themselves to the Lord, and He, the Lord, establishes a bond with His people, a bond that cannot be broken. And again, this has everything to do with you and me. Our relationship is is not our relationship with the Lord is not just a relationship that we make up. It's one that He has established the parameters for. That's so we need to know about that uh, relationship. Uh, it is a covenant relationship. Uh, so look for that as we read uh, chapter 24, verses 1 through 11. So again, three parts. Uh, the first part we're not going to read back through. Uh, it has to do with the law. But we're going to begin now with chapter 23, verse 20, and I'll read through 24:11. This is God's Word. Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression. For my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, 
Then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I blot them out, you shall not bow down to their gods nor serve them, nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come. And I will make your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites and the Canaanites and the Hittites from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little I will drive them out from before you, until you have increased and possessed the land. And I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines, and from the wilderness to the Euphrates. And I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Chapter 24. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain, and twelve pillars, according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said... All that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. Please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you that we can find in your word that ever since long ago, You chose to 
establish a relationship with a people. And we thank you, Lord, that you provided exactly what was needed for that relationship to be made between a sinful people and a holy God. And we thank you, Lord, that today that we, a sinful people, in the same way are able to come into that relationship with you through the means that you have provided. We pray for your help this morning to see and to understand that relationship in a greater way, to understand our responsibilities, to understand your provision for us, and to see through and through, Lord, your goodness, your love, your care for your people and your provision. And we pray, therefore, that you would help us to be those who would know that relationship and who would walk in your ways. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, in 1924, there's a man, you may recognize this name, a man by the name of Eric Little, who was known to be the fastest man in the world in a particular event. It was the, the 100 meter uh, event. And he had previously won on the world stage uh, this event uh, against pretty much all of his major adversaries, uh, but he had never competed in the premier event in the Olympics. We've just had the Olympics recently, and uh, we know that that is the event still today that many of the greatest athletes in the world look forward to, and it was true in this time. In 1924, the Summer Olympics were held in Paris, uh, and throughout Great Britain, the people couldn't wait for Eric Little to participate in this event and bring home gold. He was their man. But then, months before the event occurred, Eric found out that the event that he was to run in was scheduled on Sunday, on the Lord's Day. And so Eric Little withdrew from that event to the shock and horror of many throughout uh, Great Britain. So the question, the question that many at that time were asking, why would he do this? Well, if we, if we look and, and come to know something about Eric Little's life, we could say that it was because an agreement had been made by him. You know, earlier in our service, uh, we sang the hymn, God the Lord, a king remaineth. And it was that king that Eric had submitted himself to and pledged to follow and pledged to uh, obey. The Lord, the King, was His King. And like any king that has a kingdom, uh, this king has a regimen of commands. We've been looking at those commands over the past several weeks. Commands that He's established that say, in essence, this is what it looks like to be a part of my kingdom. This is, if you want to be of me, if you want to follow me, this, this is what you need to submit to. These are my rules. I have a particular way in which I must be followed, and either you choose that way or you choose 
your own way. Every other way can be put in, in a different category. But if you choose your own way, just recognize you're outside of me. You're outside of my kingdom. But clearly, Eric Little had chosen and he had agreed to follow that path, the path of obedience to his God and to his king over that of any other path, including the path of, of fame uh, and fortune and representing his country in this case. Now, if you look back, the world around him, especially there in Great Britain, hated his decision uh, and they mocked him because of it. They called him a fool. They said, this was your chance to bring home the gold, to bring it home for Great Britain. What do you mean that you're choosing to follow God? And so they did mock him. Many, no doubt, called him a legalist and said that he had made his relationship with God all about following rules and regulations. But if you look at it, Eric Little was no legalist. He was simply a man in relationship with Jesus Christ. And that meant that he had committed himself to obey his commandments, to obey the Lord's commandments. Eric was no longer king over his own life, but he had made the Lord king over his life. Now, notice that the only thing that the the press could see, and, and probably most of those in Great Britain could see, was that there was this commandment that Eric Little had chosen to dogmatically follow, and they hated it. They thought it was foolish. But here's the key. Here's what they were blind to. They only saw the commandment, but they didn't see the rest of this relationship that Eric Little had with the Lord. They didn't see the Lord's grace and mercy, His provision for Eric Little that were part and parcel of that relationship. That yes, Eric had chosen to obey the commandments of the Lord, but the reason that he had willingly submitted himself to them, no matter what the cost was, was because of this mutual relationship that he was in. Eric belonged to the Lord. The Lord belonged to Eric. And so there was this commitment that was there, and it was a commitment that couldn't be violated, obedience to the Lord. And that just flowed out of this relationship. And you know, that's really what we're taking a look at this morning out of this passage. We're looking at the nature of this kind of a relationship with the Lord. And we're going to be seeing it in a, in a very important passage of Scripture uh, I, I mentioned it before. Some here may be familiar with this. Uh, it's what we call the Mosaic Covenant. Mosaic, uh, because it's the covenant between Moses, who on one side represented the people, and the Lord God on the other side. And we're using that word covenant. I, I realize the word covenant, it's, it's a biblical word, you might say. It's not a word that we use in our everyday language. Um, and I, I know we've talked about it in different contexts. Some here may be very familiar with it, but for those who are not, you can think of a covenant as being a relationship, a relationship with another. Uh, but it's a relationship that, that has rules or requirements around it. And it also has wonderful promises that are attached to it. 
And those wonderful promises have the effect of making the requirements really sweet uh, so that you, you, you do what you're required out of a heart that desires to. Uh, it's kind of like a, a marriage relationship uh, in, with, in which we do have requirements. Think about the vows that are shared in marriage relationships uh, or in a, in a marriage. They're vows that are couched in love, mutual love and commitment one to another. Now, that's how we should think about the word covenant. And as we look at this covenant, as we look at the Mosaic covenant, we need to learn from it. Now, uh, remember, we are in the Old Testament here, yet the basic requirements and the needs that are there in order to have a relationship with the Lord, basic requirements, they haven't changed. Old Testament to New Testament. We, we do see there are tremendous advantages uh, to being on this side of the cross and having a relationship with the Lord, uh, knowing the fullness of the gospel, uh, knowing the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ himself and, and everything that we're able to know about him, the presence of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to minimize any of those, but I do want to point out that the basic requirements for having a relationship with the Lord remain un changed Old Testament to new. It's still a sinful people who are being brought into relationship with a holy God, and it's called a covenant relationship. Um, One of the ways that we get ourselves into, into trouble here, I think, is that we often fail to see the fullness of this relationship with the Lord. We either focus upon what we've been going over over the past several weeks on the commandments that are given, and we fail to see God's provision for us, or we primarily see His promises. We see His grace. We see His goodness. But we fail to take into account obedience to His commandments. And this often stands in the way of people coming into relationship with the Lord. Just, just try it sometime. Ask somebody. Uh, what's your relationship with the Lord like? And then listen. Maybe ask a couple of questions to keep, the, keep them going, but listen to what they say. Often what you'll hear is you'll hear one side or the other. But there will be one side of that that will be completely missing. Uh, and when that happens, there's a failure to see the Lord. There's this failure to truly experience and, and, and to live out of the fullness of this relationship, God's covenant relationship with His people. And so as we look at this covenant relationship with Moses, I'd like for us to see both of these. God's requirements for obedience as well as God's promises. So, first of all, God's covenant contains requirements. A relationship with the Lord contains requirements. This has been uh, what we've seen over the past several weeks. This is the heart of a relationship with the Lord. If you go all the way back, it was true for Adam and Eve uh, in their relationship with the Lord. There were differences there, but they still had requirements that were there. And it's true for Israel, we've seen here. uh, And it's true for us today. What is required of us is a commitment to full obedience to the Lord. Not perfect obedience. Um, We'll see the reason for that, but full obedience to the Lord. Look with me, if you would, at at chapter 24. 
of Exodus. And this, this really is the, the formalization of this covenant relationship with the Lord. You can think of it as a, as a ceremony, a bit like a wedding ceremony, that seals the agreement between God and Israel. Uh, and just as we, we have uh, symbolic references in, in wedding ceremonies, uh, we see uh, symbolic uh, references or rituals here. And they all demonstrate the seriousness of the covenant that's being made here. So let's look at what the people commit themselves to. Look with me at verse 3. It says, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. Now, if you look a little bit further down, verse 7, then he, Moses, took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. Now, both of these seem to be a referring to the same thing. If you go back to chapter 20 of Exodus, the Ten Commandments, and then on to chapters 21, 22, part of 23, uh, we have the commandments of the Lord. Uh, there are different types that are there, but altogether it's, it's a call for obedience. And this book of the covenant that's mentioned here appears to be Moses having written down those commandments. And so that's what's first, this, this law. It's important. It must be given to the people. It must be known to the people. And we see here it's, it's been given to them and, and explained to them and uh, known. There can't be obedience if there's no law, if there's no understanding of the law. That's why it's been important as we've gone over the Ten Commandments and talked about how they apply to our own hearts. We can't have obedience unless we understand God's law. But the law that was previously given, uh, it, it, it had to be clear, made clear to them, uh, and that includes both the general commandments as well as applying it specifically to the lives of the people. Uh, and so that's what we need in our lives. You know, one of the the commands in this civil law that we read, something like, if, if you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall bring it back to him. If you think about it, that, that really applies to, you know, you shall not steal, you shall care about your neighbor, even if they're your enemy. Uh, but it's applied there very specifically. In the same way, our, the, the Ten Commandments need to be applied to our situations to our lives. Um, and so, so the first thing, the, the, this law needs to be understood. And then secondly, the covenant clearly implies a commitment by the people to obedience. Uh, and, and we see this uh, in what these people said. All the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Now, they, they said those words. We'll see as we continue forward, and certainly as you go through uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, we see whether or not there was true uh, trust there, whether, whether they, they, they truly believed and followed through, or was it just words that they were, were saying. Uh, but the same is true for us today. There needs to be a commitment. Think about the commitment that Eric Little must have made. He must have said, Lord, all that you have said, all that you have spoken, I will be obedient to it. 
you know, Eric knew the Ten Commandments, and he knew how to apply them in his own life's situation. And he had made this commitment, and so when it came to this event being scheduled on the Lord's Day, it was relatively straightforward, it seems. This, uh, this was a picture of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ as king over him, ruling over his heart. You know, I'll never forget, um, for some of us here, those who, who knew Dick Smith, uh, Dick would always sit back on, uh, on the, I guess that's the right-hand side of the, uh, uh, of the sanctuary, and Dick passed away a few years ago, but I'll never forget what Dick told me about his conversion. He pointed to a, a passage in Romans chapter 10, passage that he said he couldn't shake. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and believe in your heart that, Jesus, that, that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And I remember Dick saying, he, he said it was really pretty simple. Uh, it was when he was, he was fairly young, uh, and he said he, he heard that, and he said, well, so I just, I professed with my mouth. And then I believed in my heart. And from that point on, I proceeded with the Lord. You think about what Dick was saying there. Uh, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you're saying that He is Lord, that He is King over you, and therefore you become concerned with His way, His way of doing things, and, 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 and you become concerned with making that your way of doing things. In other words, you submit your, yourself to Him as your King. And so that's what Dick did at, at one point in his life. And that's really what a covenant relationship is. Uh, and so if Jesus is Lord over your life, you're going to want to hear from Him. You're going to want to understand His commandments, His way. Uh, and you're going to seek daily to follow that way, that path. Not perfectly, again, but in the way that He has provided. And there's one more thing that I'd, I'd like to note before we leave this. Uh, covenantal obedience. Um, we're going to be looking at God's promises in just a moment, beginning with uh, the passage in, in chapter 23 that we read earlier. And as we do that, I'd like for you to notice that embedded throughout that passage, now this is the passage on God's promises uh, that he, he makes to His people, but right alongside all those promises is woven a call to obedience, a clear devotion to the Lord. All the way through, it's in, embedded there. We'll see it in just a moment as we go through. Uh, what, we'll, what we see there is that uh, when He provides and when He blesses and when He cares for those who are His, at the same time, the, those same people are devoted to Him. They're walking together with Him. That God will not have a wayward bride. His bride is not going to be perfect, and we'll see how that's provided for. Uh, but what is always emphasized in this covenant relationship is a mutual relationship of covenant faithfulness, of steadfast love. And that's what a relationship with the Lord looks like. That means hearts that are bowed down, submitted to the Lord, wanting to hear from Him, wanting to hear Him say, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. 
Uh, you know, it, uh, this was actually captured for us back when the people just arrived at, at Mount Sinai, uh, back in chapter 19. You, you may remember uh, the Lord spoke to the people through Moses at that time and said, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself, how I cared for you, I loved you, and saved you. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my co- commandment or my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Notice, again, it's this covenant of faithfulness from the Lord, His provision for them, but woven into that is devotion to Him. Remember, a marriage relationship. It's one in which both are committed wholeheartedly to the other. And that's what a covenant relationship is like. Uh, Remember Jesus said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, if obedience is something that we're forced to do, then that's not obedience that flows out of a covenant relationship. Uh, I'm not saying it's always going to be easy. I'm not saying always that our hearts are going to be there. But our hearts are going to want to follow the Lord if we're in that relationship with Him. We're going to want to know His commandments that we might follow them. So the question, have I made the Lord my husband? Uh, Do I really know that relationship? Mutual faithfulness, mutual love. So first, the Lord's covenant calls us to obedience. It contains requirements. That leads us to the second point, that God's covenant contains promises. Now, we recognize here that this covenant relationship is that of the Lord as king and, a, and, and as sovereign over his people. And we see him, therefore, he's the one who, who sets forth what this relationship will look like. But he's the one also who graciously pledges himself to his people. And we're going to see that uh, as we read through this in uh, 23 and chapter 24. Uh, and that word graciously there is important. Uh, it, it, it means that even when the people don't deserve it at all, that he continues for, that he is faithful. That's what makes this relationship so amazing, so incredible. Uh, if you look back at uh, chapter 23, verse 20, remember as we, as we read uh, parts of this, that the Lord is speaking here about leading His people into the land. Uh, it was back, we went back to, to Genesis chapter 12, chapter 15, chapter 17, and on from there, that God made His covenant with Abraham. And in chapter 12, He, he promised to him a land. Uh, and it was a beautiful land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, and it had a couple of characteristics about it. Uh, but we know that Abraham never had that land as his own. It was never his home. What we see this people looking forward to is going into that land and knowing that land. Speaking of the land of Canaan. Uh, and the great characteristic of this land has always been that it was a resting place, a home. And so the wonderful promises that 
that we see in this passage center upon two things especially. First of all, uh, we, see in, we see in the words uh, of verse 20, if you'll read with me, Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. And then this is followed by a requirement for obedience. But this angel that would go before them will not only lead them, but he's prepared the land for them, and, and he will guard them along the way, and he will provide for them. And so we see that, that it's in this angel that these promises are brought to fruition. Most commentators see this angel as the Lord Jesus himself, uh, preparing the way and providing for the, the people on their way as they go into the land. And we'll talk about that land in a moment. Uh, secondly, second part of this promise is that the land would be free from their enemies and from God's enemies. Look with me at verse 22. And we start off with obedience. But if you carefully obey His voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and, and an adversary to your adversaries. And then embedded in this passage all the way through is a description of how the Lord, apparently through this mediating angel, will clear the land and will bring blessing for them through the land. Uh, Look with me. You can see, beginning in verse 25, everywhere where it says, I will. These are the promises of God. Uh, He says, uh, I will take sickness away from among you. This is in the land. These are the blessings they'll, they'll experience. Uh, and then I, I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you. Throw into confusion all those, all the enemies in the land. I will make all your enemies turn their backs on you. I will send hornets. Uh, hornet or, or wasp is used as the one that will go in and drive them out of the land. This is what God will, himself will do in the land. Uh, uh, I will, and and then in verse 29, notice, I will not drive them out from before you in one year, he's talking about the enemies, driving them out of the land, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little, I will drive them out from among you. Um, We see God's care and provision for his people in the land. We're going to talk about uh, why in just a moment. Now, if you seek a place of true rest in this world and a, a place in which you can call true home, then you've got to pay attention to these words because these words are not just speaking about the physical land, but they're pointing forward to God's provision for all of His people. Think about what Jesus said when He began His ministry. He said, my kingdom is at hand. No, the land of promise is not just this physical land. It was pointing to something greater, something bigger. It was merely a shadow of that which was to come. The true land is the kingdom of God, which is spiritually present in this world today. 
Uh, and it's experienced by all those who know the Lord Jesus Christ today. Remember what Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. The message is that there is true rest in this world today. Here's a question. Is it for the believer? Is it free from all trouble? And the answer is, not at all. Remember what he said about little by little, uh, I will drive out enemies from among you. Notice how that sounds a lot like sanctification. Uh, You know, as we live our lives submitted to the Lord, what is he doing? What have we been doing as we've been going through the commandments and, and allowing the Lord to reveal our own sin in our own hearts? He's cleansing us. He's purifying us. He's making us more and more into that which He desires that we would become. And so little by little, He's driving out the enemy. And little by little, we're, we're coming to walk more and more in His way. Uh, and little by little, we are those whom He desires us to be. He's purifying us. But not only does the land represent something today, something in which the Lord is working upon us, something in which the Lord gives us rest today, but the land also represents a great hope for us because that land will ultimately be free from all of His enemies. I don't know if you remember, but as we were singing that song earlier, by faith, uh, we saying in verse 2, By faith the fathers roamed the earth with the power of His promise in their hearts of a holy city built by God's own hand, a place where peace and justice reign. It was speaking about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob looking forward to not this land, not a physical land, but an, an ultimate place of being together with the Lord, free from their enemies. Uh, in fact, in, in chapter 11 of uh, of Hebrews, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 12, we read these, these words. In one moment. Back to 11. Uh, by faith, uh, Abraham went into the land of promise as in a foreign land. And it says that he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And then a little further down, As it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. You know, think, that's ultimately the hope that we're looking forward to. Not only does God provide for us in this life as we walk together with Him, as we follow Him, but He sets before us a a, a great hope of what it will be like being together with Him. No sin. That's hard to imagine, isn't it? No sin in our lives, no temptation, not being drawn to the left or to the right, but seeing our God face to face. That's the great hope uh, with which we are able to look. And that's what it means to be in a relationship with the Lord. That is how He has provided. And so all the way through this passage, with the land, we're given this description of a home, a resting place. We know ultimately our home is not in this world. But in this world, 
He does allow us that measure of rest, that ability to be together with Him as we look to the hope that lies ahead of us. One more promise that I want to look at uh, in the next chapter there in chapter 24. Now again, all the way through 24, God is establishing this relationship with His people. And He does it through Moses. You'll notice right up at the top that uh, it is it is Moses to whom he is going to speak. Verse 2, Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Uh, the Lord is providing through this mediator this relationship. And as we've talked about in, in the past, Moses represents, again, as mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one with whom we have this relationship. But then the heart of this promise that's given here. The problem that we have is that we are sinful and that He is a holy God. And there is no way to bridge the gap between the two. We see the need for obedience, but we try again and again and we fail. And yet He has provided for that as well. Uh, Look down at verse 6. We've got the, the, the ceremony here, and right in, in the middle of the ceremony, you've got the, the pillars that have been set up, uh, 12 of them according to the tribes of, of Israel. And the pillars, by the way, represent uh, this relationship that it will continue on. A pillar of stone uh, cannot be removed. It's, it's to represent that which is solid. Uh, but then in verse 5, it says, He sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And then from those sacrifices, uh, Moses took blood, and he put half in basins, and half of it he threw against the altar. And then the half that he put in the basins, having read the, the book of the covenant to the people, he took that blood and he threw it upon the people. He sprinkled blood upon the people. What did that do? Did that cure the people of their sin? The answer is no. We read earlier that the blood of bulls and the blood of goats cannot take away sin. But what was it pointing to? It was pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. This was the shed blood of Christ. It represented the shed blood of Christ sprinkled upon the people. Their their sin taken away. And that's what we read earlier out of chapter 9 of Hebrews. That since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant, that they found true redemption uh, in Christ. So in the Old Testament, they were looking forward to what Christ would do. Uh, we today are able to look at what Christ has done and to depend upon the shed blood of Christ that frees us, that redeems us from sin. How does that become ours? One way. That is by trusting in Him. It's by faith. Uh, It was true in the Old Testament. They had to look to the Lord in faith. It's true in the New, New Testament as well. How do we show that? How does that show up in our lives that we're trusting in this, in the shed blood of Jesus Christ that represents the forgiveness of sin? that we have in Christ, well, it's as we walk with Him day in and day out in obedience to Him. 
we demonstrate to ourselves and to the world around us that we are following Him. Again, think of Eric Little. He chose to follow Christ, no matter what the cost was. Not out of a heart that didn't want to, but out of a relationship in which he knew the Lord. That's what the Lord calls us into, is that same relationship. To follow Him by faith, looking to that which He has promised, that which He has provided, depending upon it, and continuing forward in this relationship. Uh, and so though, right there, is the, those are the components of this covenant relationship, twofold. One, obedience. Obedience by faith. The second, promises received and given to us uh, to provide for us and for our needs. This is the relationship of the Lord. This is the relationship that He calls us into. He has given us a Savior, a Redeemer, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Please join me in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your provision for us. We thank You that You don't just take Your commands and lay them before us and say, You must obey these. And then not provide for us to know that You have provided this kind of relationship in which we are able to know You, in which we are able to walk with You day in, day out, in which we are able to rely upon that which You have given in Your grace and in Your goodness. Now, Father, I pray that you would help us to recognize where we are in that relationship and to truly turn and follow day in and day out uh, whatever tomorrow brings to us, whatever Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday brings to us, Lord. Help us to look to Christ and to follow you day after day. We thank you for your goodness. Uh, We thank you for your grace and your provision for us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.